Well, thank you. It is a, a, an immense privilege to be able to join you in this fashion. Um, people from all over the world I'm seeing here, and, and that's, that is just glorious. And thank you, uh, Stephen Lee, for the invitation. And we've been blessed for 15 years to be on Sermon Audio. It's um, helped us to reach all around the world. And as we think about prayer and um, earnestness in prayer, this is what I want to focus on specifically, <clears throat> and earnestness in prayer for revival specifically. Um, prayer is, as you all know, is the greatest privilege we have as Christians, and yet it's often most neglected. Um, the greatest warfare between the flesh and the spirit tends to happen when we set out to pray for a season in your private devotions or whatever. And um, I'm so th thankful for this group here. We live in a world that's full of sorrow and disappointment and grief. It's very common. It just comes with ministry. Um, you know, as Job says, for man is born for trouble as sparks fly upward. So just think back over the summer around a campfire with your family and just seeing those sparks shooting up. That's we're born for trouble. There's difficulties in this life. Even the great divine Samuel Rutherford said, you may not get leave to go quietly to heaven without a conflict and a cross. So most of us must labor to keep our mind from wandering and distractions removed when we set out to pray. It's a coming to God. It's an intimacy that, and fellowship that we have with the triune God as we set out to pray and, and to remember what the writer of the Hebrews says, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we will receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. As I said, the sign of our times, um, as you all are, are aware, we live in a world that is just depravity is manifesting itself in fresh and new ways. Satan has blinded the eyes, that which is good is called evil and vice versa there's hostility and brutality everywhere we look there's gender dysphoria a distortion of god's design drag queen shows for young children indoctrination of children but at the same time it's easy to point out all that god is doing great things in our world areas uh, in south america and colombia where revivals breaking out and reformed churches dozens of baptisms and spiritual growth, uh, Hindu tribal villages with entire villages coming to Christ. And so we can be encouraged that the Lord is on our side. So let's look at Psalm 5. And again, we only have time for the first of these five stanzas. Psalm 5, just the first three verses, very familiar. I think these were even put to a, a Maranatha song decades ago. <clears throat> Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Heed the sound of my cry for help, my King and my God. For to you I pray. In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. The Psalms are always wonderful to contemplate because they're filled with the various, all the emotions, hope, dejection, gladness, humility. And so we see here David's earnestness and prayer. And we too should pray with passion and persistence. Um, 
and even beginning in the morning, as he says here, in the morning, just as uh, the rudder of a large ship steers the direction in which it should go, so prayer, early morning prayer, will direct your day. Notice he says here, give ear to my words, O Lord, and consider my groaning. The, the, the groaning there, I think the King James has meditation. It's an asking God to consider what is on our mind, even sometimes when we can't quite formulate into words. It's asking God, you know the burdens of my heart. You know the, what I'm coming with, and consider that, oh God. Meditation before prayer, actually the Puritan Bates says, meditation before prayer is like the tuning of an instrument and setting it for harmony. So to meditate upon God, to think upon him. And then these verbs that he uses here, give ear and consider and give attention. This groaning, sometimes that's all we can do is groan. And so we're told in Romans 8, the spirit helps us with our weaknesses. The spirit intercedes with groanings too deep for words. And then the person of the prayer that it's directed to, you have Yahweh here, you have Elohim, you have the term king. We're directing it to the one and true God and to him alone. The only object for our worship is him, and he's a personal God. The psalmist is adamant, he's confident, he says, you will hear my voice. It's not a, gee, I hope you'll hear my voice, it's you will, because the very nature of him being our covenant God. Psalm 130, verse 5, I wait for the Lord, my soul does wait, and in his word do I hope. So just a couple thoughts here. David's prayer is marked by urgency. Our prayer should be marked by urgency. These terms, give ear and consider, teach us that prayer is a serious thing to engage in. It's not just some repetition of prayer. It's if there's a passion oozing from this. The great Baptist preacher Charles Spurgeon says, prayer without fervency is like hunting with a dead dog. So we should have fervency, but also persistence. In the morning, early in the morning, as soon as light comes today, Every morning reminds me of that persistent widow that kept coming. And Jesus says, then will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? So an urgency, a, a persistentness, and true prayer is earnest. And then this idea of order my prayer, this is interesting. It's, the, the, it means not just coming with random thoughts, though that's okay. He's not going to ignore us, but to have some type of ordered prayer. And, and um, as I recall, I believe that the, 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 the root of this word has the idea of priest ordering their sacrifices and the preparation of that sacrifice. And so, too, to come with prepared thoughts. The NIV says, lay request before you. But then, probably most importantly uh, for this group, is to pray with an expectant spirit. Look at the last line of verse 3. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you, and 
eagerly watch, pray expectantly. You know, we all saw Roe v. Wade overturned, and many of us have prayed for decades for this. And then we see the, the, the way our country is going and all of that, and, and we almost give up hope even though we pray for it, and then lo and behold, it's overturned. God answered decades of prayers from millions of Christians to pray expectantly. Can God really do this? Can God really revive his church? Can God really breathe new life in dead churches? Can God really allow revival to break out like those prayer meetings in New York in the mid-1800s that, again, was at noon and began with a very small group and, and led to small revivals? The revivals under Edwards and even in the Scottish Highlands in the 1826 or so I was reading about recently. You know, can God do this? Yes, he can. And to pray expectantly for that. I think of George Mueller, you know, the uh, fellow that founded those orphanages uh, in England. He claims to have seen over 10,000 prayers answered uh, specifically all those stories of the orphans needing milk and the milk truck breaks down out front and it's going to spoil and, and all of that. But <clears throat> he prayed for two of his friends for 60 years. And one was finally converted just before his death. And the other was saved one year after his death. So we should pray with urgency, persistence, an expectant spirit, and remember that prayer is the antidote to anxiousness. We can come to him. Cold prayers, Thomas Brooks, cold prayers freeze before they reach to heaven. So come with passion, persistence, and an expectant spirit. Thank you.